My name is Rick Renner, and I'm standing outside the walls of the Kremlin in Moscow, Russia. These walls are simply enormous. They're more than 7,000 feet long in length, more than 62 feet tall. There are 20 towers along the walls of the Kremlin, and the walls are up to 21 feet thick. You say, what in the world? Why did they have to build such a monumental wall? Because they wanted to keep evil forces on the outside. What's inside these walls is precious and has always been precious. We have to defend what's precious in our lives. Sometimes that means we need to have borders. We need to have restrictions. We need to do whatever we have to do to make sure evil stays on the outside. Just remember, what's going on in your life is very precious, and you don't want the devil messing it up. So you need to be vigilant, and you need to build a barricade to make sure you keep the devil and all evil forces out of your life. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. I am so excited to be with you today because what I have to share is going to make a difference in your life. Like I told you in the introduction, where I was standing outside the walls of the Kremlin, things in your life are precious. Your family is precious. You are precious. And the devil likes to steal everything that's precious. That's what we saw in the last program in John 10.10, where Jesus said the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That word thief and the word steal are from the same Greek word, the word klepto, which is where we get the word for a kleptomaniac. And in that verse, Jesus gave us such a revelation about the devil. There's something in his nature so flawed, so defective, he can't restrain himself. He is a kleptomaniac. It is his nature to take to steal, and he's especially looking to steal anything in your life that is precious. He is a bandit, he is a scam artist, he is a pickpocket, and he wants to take everything in your life that is precious and make it his own. He wants to take it from you. So you need to use common sense and erect some kind of a barricade to keep him out. And the Bible gives us very solid advice on what we need to do to keep the devil out of our life. And that is what I'm going to be talking to you about all this week. And I'm going to be giving you very practical things you can do to keep the devil on the outside. But I want to remind you that I'm offering you my series called How to Keep the Devil Out of Your Life. It's a 10-part series based on these programs, and it comes with a marvelous study guide. The study guide is just wonderful. It comes with all the Greek words and all the definitions that I use in these programs, all the points. You can use this personally or it would be perfect for a study group. It is really a marvelous 10-part series and it comes with my little book called Spiritual Weapons to Defeat the Enemy. I picked this up and looked at it just before the program today. Wow, these hundred pages are packed with revelation about spiritual warfare. There's a lot of silly teaching about spiritual warfare. You don't need all that silly teaching. You need to know what the Bible says about the devil, what the Bible says about spiritual warfare, and that's what you'll find in these 100 pages. Let me read to you some of the subjects. How to put on the whole armor of God. What is the whole armor of God? That's very important. It's good to know what it is, but how do you put it on? 
How about understanding your enemy? The devices and deception of the devil. Cutting off the giant's head. Isn't that what you want to do? The hard facts of spiritual warfare and the devil's mode of operation. The Bible tells us explicitly how the devil operates. Or how about wrestling with principalities and powers? What are principalities and powers? What is the devil's rank and file? Or how about who is the devil? Or finally, the ultimate key to victorious spiritual warfare. All of that, that's a lot, is in these 100 pages. It will really make a difference for your life. Order it. But today, let's jump right into 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, which is our foundational verse for this series. Peter, as a seasoned leader, is speaking to his readers, to his listeners, and Peter says to them, like an aged leader in the church, giving good, solid advice, he says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. Let's review very quickly the first two words, be sober, be vigilant. We've already seen this word sober is a Greek word, nepho. It really means be serious, be serious-minded, or think straight, not like a silly drunk. When a person is drunk, they drop their guard, they do things and say things they wouldn't normally do, they permit things they would not normally permit, they're not serious-minded, they're kind of silly because they're drunk. Now Peter uses this word, nepho, to say, think straight, not like a silly drunk, don't drop your guard, and then he tells us why. He says, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. That word vigilant is the Greek word Gregorio. We looked at all the places where it's used in the New Testament to really establish what it means. It means to be on high alert, to be on your guard, to build a barricade, to build some kind of a border to keep a sinister force on the outside. And in fact, this particular word, Gregorio, here translated vigilant, is primarily used only if there is a sinister force that's trying to get where it shouldn't be. It's trying to find its way on the inside of your personal affairs. And this outside source is so evil, it is so sinister, that you need to take precautions to stop it from getting on the inside. Now, the good news about the Bible is it doesn't just tell us what to do. It tells us how to do it. And this week, we're going to be seeing how to build that wall of defense. But if the devil gets on the inside, what does he want to do? Well, Peter tells us he wants to devour you. The word devour does not mean to eat the meat. It means to slurp up the juices. Now, I know that when you read 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it looks like a lion who's hovering over a dead animal and he's eating the meat of that animal because the verse says, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. So it looks like a lion devouring the meat of a dead carcass. But the word devour is the Greek word pino. It does not mean to eat. It means to slurp. Peter uses this word to dramatize what the devil wants to do if he finds his way into our personal affairs. If he finds his way inside, yes, he will victimize us, he'll maul us, he'll do everything he can to take us down, but he doesn't want just to harm us or to eat us. This word devour, the Greek word pino, means to slurp. 
He wants to so totally consume your life till there's nothing left of you but juices. And then he wants to hover over you and slurp up all the juices that remain until there is nothing left of you. The devil wants to totally liquidate your health. He wants to liquidate your marriage. He wants to totally liquidate your children. Take all of your finances. He wants to liquidate all of your hope. That's what he is after. And that's what he will do if you don't resist him and keep him out of your personal affairs. Now, I want to remind you of what the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 4 verse 27. He said, give no place to the devil. We're not afraid of the devil. I'm not afraid of the devil. You have no reason to be afraid of the devil. But if you're not aware of him, you're stupid. He's a real enemy. You need to know about him. And if you give place to him, you're really stupid. Well, what does it mean when the Bible says, give no place? That word place, as we've already seen, is the Greek word topos. And the word topos describes a concrete geographical location, an entry point, or an access point. Paul is literally saying, don't give any gaping hole to the devil that he can use to enter into your life. Give him no loopholes. Give him no entry points, no access points. Give no place to the devil. Keep him on the outside. Close every door. Seal every crack. Do everything you can from your side to make sure he doesn't get in. And I gave you the story of when we had a very strange incident happened at our home. And I'm going to repeat it very quickly, then I'm going to tell you another story. Denise was always locking the door to our house. I told you this earlier. And I would even make fun of her because she was always locking the door. And our door has multiple locks. We have two front doors, one to the front door, one to the porch. And Denise is always locking the doors. And every time I go to let the dog out, I feel like I have to unlock all the doors to get out of the house. So I would make fun of Denise and say, honey, what is wrong with you? You're all the time locking the doors. Well, one day I was watching TV and Denise began to yell from the front room of the house, Rick, come, come quickly. So I jumped up and ran because that was unusual for Denise to yell like that. And when I got to the front door, she said these words exactly, look out the peephole of the locked door. Now, remember, I've always made fun of her for locking the door. So she's reminding me she's the one that's locked the door. And she says, look out the peephole of the locked door. And when I looked out the peephole, to my amazement, just standing outside our door was a naked woman. Well, I don't know if you've ever gone to answer your door and found a naked woman standing outside your front door. It's quite stunning when that takes place. Denise and I were both speechless. There was a naked woman outside our front door. And she wasn't just outside the door. She was banging on the door, demanding access. She wanted entry into our house, demanding that we open the door. Well, who was the naked woman? Well, we live just outside the city of Moscow. And behind our house, there's a big field, a green belt where nobody can build. Behind that, there's a forest. This was a woman on drugs who had been in the forest. She'd come walking out of the forest across the field, and because our back gate was open, she wandered onto our property, up the steps to our front door, and now she was banging on the door, demanding entry into our house. Well, this was such a scandalous event. Here she is, yelling, screaming, banging naked, that we had to call someone to help us. Denise and I didn't dare open the door. 
So a man who works for us came with a blanket. He wrapped her in the blanket, walked her down the steps. She kept trying to come back up the steps, and finally he took her by the hand, and we watched through the back window of our house as he led her to the back of the property, out the back gate. But that wasn't the end. Then she stood outside the back gate and waited for him to disappear so she could wander back onto the property and find her way back to our door. So he waited and waited until finally she turned. She walked back across the field, and she disappeared into the forest. And when she disappeared into the forest and everything was over, Denise looked at me in a way that only she could do. And she said, well, Rick, hmm, now what do you think about that locked door? She started laughing and I started laughing because I had made fun of her for locking the door. But I'm glad the door was locked. What if the door had not been locked? What if I had been sitting in the TV room watching the news when suddenly a woman on drugs who was naked came walking through the door of the TV room? That would have been a whole different situation. It would have been more difficult to get the woman on drugs out of the house than it was just to keep her out of the house. That's what a locked door does. That's what a barricade does. And when Peter tells us to be vigilant, that's what he's talking about. He says, better to keep the devil out than to deal with the devil after he's already gotten on the inside. Now I'm going to tell you a second story. We did have an event occur many, many, many years ago when the devil got on the inside. When our ministry was first beginning in the former Soviet Union, it was such a wonderful time in our lives. Our staff were young people who had parents who had been to prison for their faith and grandparents who had been to prison for their faith. And now they were working in a ministry and we were answering letters and ministering to people by television. It was really their dream and our dream. And every morning we would meet together for prayer. There was such a spirit of unity. And then one day <coughs> I received a phone call from the guard at our office. And he said, Rick, come quickly. So I jumped in the car, drove over to the office. He said, you've got to walk through the office and see what had happened. Well, up until that time, we had been answering all of our mail by hand. This was the early 90s. There were no computers in the Republic of Latvia where we were living at that time. There were no computers. So we've been answering all the letters by hand, about 800,000 letters. And finally, we had gotten computers. And we were so proud of our computers. We didn't have a lot of them, but we were proud of them. In fact, it was so unusual to have computers that other organizations were actually coming to our office to see what computers looked like. It was quite an event that finally we had computers. Well, when he said, run to the office, he said, walk to the office and look at the computers. So I began walking through the office, and to my amazement, somebody during the night had come through the office with a hammer and had destroyed all the screens of all the computers, our brand new computers that we were so proud of. And not only that, but they had taken big spikes from the local railroad tracks and they had driven them through the keyboards of all the computers until the keyboards were nailed into the desks. And then in the middle of every nail, there was a note that was a death threat to the person who operated that computer. And the death threat said, if you continue to work in this ministry, if you continue to work at this desk, you will be killed, and here's the way we're going to kill you. Well, about the time that I'd finished reading all the death threats at all the computers, 
people began coming to work. And when the people saw the death threats and the destruction, a spirit of fear began to immediately move through our office. Now when we met together for prayer, rather than have a wonderful spirit of unity, people were looking at each other in suspicion, wondering who did this. It was obvious somebody on the inside did this because only someone on the inside would have had access to the office during the night when this occurred. And a spirit of suspicion began to operate in our staff. And I wish that was the end of the story, but it was not the end of the story. Death threats continued to appear for months and months and months. We had started a little school for our children. We had so many Americans working on our team at that time that there was a whole big group of children who needed English education. So we started our own academy. And one day the children opened their lunch pails to eat their lunch and they found death threats in their lunch pails saying, we're going to kill your parents. Well, that's not real encouraging for children. We would even go to church. We had just started our church in Riga back in those days. And suddenly during worship, somebody would let out a scream and start waving a piece of paper. And they would say, there's a death threat saying, if I continue to come to this church, I'll be killed. This went on for nearly 10 months. All of us trying to figure out who is this? And we understood it was someone on the inside. It was one of us that met together every morning for prayer. Somebody who prayed in the name of Jesus had a very serious mental defect. Who was it? We didn't know. So I decided to get help. Hmm. You say, well, Brother Rick, what did you do? I called the Latvian KGB. They owed me a favor because when we first started our ministry, the economy had collapsed, there was no money, and the leader of the local KGB had come to me and had said, can you please help us with new uniforms? We have no money, our uniforms are old, can you please help us? And I felt the Lord say to me, help them. So Denise and I in our ministry paid the bill and we paid for all the new uniforms for the local KGB. So every time we saw them walking on the street, they were walking in clothes that we had purchased for them and they liked us because we had done that for them. So I called them, told them what was happening, said we have this problem and I don't know how to solve this by myself. Somebody on the inside is trying to hurt us and I need help to get them out. So they said to me, collect all the death threats. Do you still have them? And yes, I had them all. I'd saved them all. We had a whole stack of death threats. They said, send the death threats to our main office and we will give them to a handwriting analysis expert and he will look at all these death threats and then we'll take the next step. I said, okay. So they analyzed all the death threats and then the KGB called me and said, call a meeting and we're going to come to the meeting and we'll take this to the next step to get rid of your problem. So called a staff meeting and I said to our precious staff whose parents and grandparents back in those days had been sent to prison by the KGB. I said to them, today we're going to have a special speaker. Didn't tell them who it was, just said we're going to have a special speaker. So they all gathered together. They were sitting at desks, all of them, about 50 of them. And I went to the front door to answer the door and to let the KGB in. Two of them came and they were wearing outfits that we had bought for them. And they said, just let us take it from here. So we walked back together into the back room of the office. And when the staff saw the KGB, they were stunned 
because normally this is not someone you cooperate with, this is someone you hide from. But I was cooperating, I needed their help, and I was not afraid. We had nothing to hide. I needed help. So the big officer walked in and began to distribute paper to everyone in the room. Then he gave everyone a pencil. Denise and I were sitting at the side. We were watching this whole event take place. He said, now, I'm going to dictate something, and I want everyone to write it. And he began to dictate a death threat. And Denise and I watched now as all of our staff was writing death threats. I thought, what in the world has happened to us? It was one, now it's everybody writing a death threat. Then he said, turn the paper over, put the pencil in the other hand, and we're going to do it again in case you tried to disguise your handwriting. And he dictated again another death threat. Now they're all writing another death threat. He collected all the papers and he said to me, I'll call you in a few days. I'll compare all of these papers to the original papers, and I'll tell you on the basis of handwriting analysis who wrote the original notes. A few days later, he called us, and guess what? Wow, he nailed it. He discovered who it was. Now, why am I telling you this story? Because sometimes the devil gets so entrenched in your life, you need somebody to help you get him out. Yes, you have the Word of God, you've got the power of the Holy Spirit, you've got the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. We all have that, we know that. But sometimes we have to humble ourselves, especially when the devil has become so entrenched, and say to somebody else, would you please help me? And that other person or group of people or your pastor or your friend may be able to take you by the hand and say, let me help you walk out of this attack. And let me help you construct a wall so this will never take place in your life again. You see, once Denise and I were attacked with a naked woman at the front door. We kept her out because the door was locked. But there was another time when the devil got in. We don't even know how that happened to this day, but the devil got in through someone on the inside and became so entrenched, we had to have somebody help us remove that evil force. Humble yourself. Ask for help. The Bible says in Ephesians 6.11, put on the whole armor of God. I told you that we're offering you my little book called Spiritual Weapons to Defeat the Enemy. This book is about the whole armor of God. Listen to what the whole verse says. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That ye may be able actually is a Greek word that means you may have power stand against, the Greek word antistenai means to resist and to push against. It means with the weapons of warfare that God gives us, you can push the devil back across the line. You can drive him out. It's not just holding out and holding on, it's pushing him out. You can push him out even if he's entrenched. But you may need help to do it. The Bible tells us in James 4, verse 7, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That word, submit, the Greek word, hupotasso, listen to this. It describes one who has submitted to some type of authority, one who is in submission to authority in any context, or to hide behind someone's back, showing that there is protection in submission. If the devil's already entrenched, maybe you need to hide behind somebody else's back who can help you deal with the problem. 
You need someone to pray with you, someone to stand with you. And by the way, if you don't know anyone to pray with you, call us. We're here. We'll pray with you. We want the devil to be pushed back across the line in your life that he cannot take what is precious to you. Now, when we come back tomorrow, I'm going to begin to tell you how to practically erect a wall of defense so the devil can't get in. I'll be back in just a moment. Do you feel like you're under attack in your relationships, your finances, your health? The Bible says the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came to give life and made life more abundant. You can have victory in your relationships, your finances, and your health by learning how to keep the devil out of your life. In Rick's 10-part teaching series, How to Keep the Devil Out of Your Life, you'll learn that our lives are under constant assault by the enemy, and he is always looking for a way in. But you can have victory over the devil by learning how to build a spiritual wall of defense around you and those you love. Available in physical and digital formats, starting at just $20. You'll learn how to guard against the attacks of the enemy and fight back when you choose to believe God and commit to His Word. In addition to the teaching series, you can also get Spiritual Weapons to Defeat the Enemy. This book gives you a fresh understanding of the armor of God, the spiritual weapons of war, and how you can defeat every lie of the devil and live in victory every day. Available for just $10, this powerful resource will give you the tools you need to go on offense against the enemy. Don't miss this special offer, How to Keep the Devil Out of Your Life, and or the companion book, Spiritual Weapons to Defeat the Enemy. Call now or go to renner.org to order. Today I've been talking to you about how to push the devil back across the line. And as I told you, it's easier to keep the devil out. But if he gets on the inside, you can still get him out. The Bible tells us in James chapter 4, verse 7, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We're going to really talk about this in the next program. But the first part of that verse says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. That word submit, the Greek word hupotasso, means one who has submitted to some type of authority. It describes submission to authority in any context. But listen to this. To hide behind someone's back, showing there is protection in submission. Sometimes when you're under attack, you need to hide behind somebody's back, somebody who can pray for you, someone who can step in to help you. If you're really in the middle of a battle, sometimes you can't see how to walk your way out, so you need to take somebody by the hand who can help you get out of the mess, who can help you push the devil back across the line. If you need someone to pray with you in that way, call us. We'll pray with you. We'll stand with you and we'll believe for your total freedom and deliverance. But I want to remind you that I'm offering you my series called How to Keep the Devil Out of Your Life. It's these programs complete with a wonderful study guide. And also with it, we're offering my book called Spiritual Weapons to Defeat the Enemy, Overcoming the Wiles, Devices, and Deception of the Devil. But I want to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you place people in our lives that can help us walk out of attacks. And that through the Word of God and through the Spirit and the counsel of others, we can build a wall to permanently keep the devil out of our lives. And I speak to that, my friend, in Jesus' name. Thank you for being with me. Remember Ecclesiastes 8.4, where the word of a king is, there's power. 
Let God's word release its power in your life today. And I'll see you in the next program.